Amen. You guys are glad to be here. Say yes. And uh, what a great time of worship, just reminding us that we are to offer ourselves over to the Lord. Listen, you're going to need three things for the message today. Number one, you're going to need a Bible. So if y'all got a Bible, say yes. All right, then number two, you're going to need the fill-in-the-blank that you got in the brochure when you walked in. So that's the listening guide. So if you got one of those, say yes. All right, that was uh, not all of you, but we'll just take that, all right? And then the third thing you're going to need is a fireball. So everybody got a fireball? I got mine up here on the uh, podium for me. And uh, some people saw this when they came in. They said, Levi, are you preaching on hellfire and brimstone? Uh, maybe a little, I don't know. But uh, then some people, when we gave it to them, said, does my breast stink? And uh, they, I think I said no to you, but I need to confess it did. <laughs> all right, so if you could please eat that, that would be great. And then some people said, maybe you should challenge us to put it in our mouth while you preach and see if we can keep it in the whole time. And uh, we're not going to do that. But you do need to hold on to that. We're going to see it in just a moment, all right? Listen, last week we started a message series that coincides with your community group called The Switch. And really the whole purpose is to turn on the missionary mindset. And as a staff, that is our entire challenge through this series, is to encourage our fellowship to turn on a missionary mindset. And we're challenged by Jesus through the Great Commission, which we're going to look at again this morning. That really is the theme text for our entire series. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 is where we're going to look this morning. So go ahead and stand with me in honor of God's Word. And we're going to read all of this together just as we did last week. We really want this message from Jesus, this Great Commission, to be tattooed on our hearts. And so we want to live by this, all right? This is the mission of the New Testament church. So I'll count to three, and uh, we'll all begin to read together. One, two, three. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the great commission given to us by Christ. Let's bow together. Father, how we do thank you for your word, and thank you for Jesus making it so plain uh, to tell us what we're supposed to be doing. And now I just pray that we're faithful in doing what you've called us to do, that we Uh, As one pastor said, do not look at the great commission and make it the great omission, but that we apply it to our lives. God, I pray as well, just as I've heard before, that we don't become keepers of the aquarium, but we are fishers of men. God, help us to remain focused on the reality that there are those who need to know Jesus personally. You've changed our lives. Uh, We're excited about that fact, and we want other people to know you personally. And so, God, thank you for how you're going to use our time together today, and I pray that you'd speak to every single heart. God, I also pray for those who are present who don't know you. Maybe they're here today and they have not genuinely placed their faith in you. God, I pray that you would call them to salvation today, that they would experience a radical transformation, and we'll give you glory for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So you guys can be seated. Just a quick recap on what we're talking about this morning. Uh, You'll remember last week that I encouraged you in the fact that the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you joined a global missions movement led by the Lord Jesus. So the moment you prayed to receive Christ, you were inducted into a missionary union whose task is to make disciples everywhere. So you are a missionary strategically positioned by God to make disciples. 
And in your community groups last week, you learned your evangelism style. Just a moment ago, Brandon actually alluded to that. Krista, who's my wife, she was in her small group, community group. And while she was there, she took the test to figure out her evangelism style. And she came out of that, and we had a discussion over lunch last Sunday that she had an invitational style. That is, she was always involved in inviting people to church, always involved in inviting people even over to our homes. It's pretty interesting as we started looking at uh, our time together, how often she's been involved in simply inviting people to come and to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, that's how she's gifted. In fact, she gets encouraged by ladies at our church to invite other ladies in our community. So she's gifted in that area. Now, my evangelism style was more confrontational, all right? So it's kind of, uh, I will just share with you right where you are, kind of in your face a little bit. And then we decided over lunch. Are y'all ready to hear our decision? Are y'all ready to hear our decision? I'm trying to ask you, right? We decided that she would invite them and I would confront them. Are y'all down with that? And so if you're invited over to our house, get ready, Bubba, all right? We're coming after you. But it's pretty neat because we began to look over the course of just even when we started dating all the way till now that the Lord has really used us in that manner. That she's been the inviter, I've been kind of the confronter and share the gospel. And God's blessed that and we've seen many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, last week you learned about your evangelism style. We also learned together that whenever our perspective begins to change, that's when our purpose changes. And when our purpose changes, our plans begin to change. So we begin to elevate what should be the perspective of the follower of Jesus. Jesus Christ. How should we be viewing life? That's why we handed out these glasses last week to remind us that we are to have the perspective that the Lord Jesus desires for us to have. And what is that perspective? Well, in short, God is in the process of displaying his love to all of humanity. That's what God's up to. Jesus is in the process of turning you into something that you are not already. Jesus is not only saving you and giving you his righteousness, but Jesus is in the process of making you into a missionary, a fisher of men and women. So that's the perspective. God is displaying his love to humanity. Jesus is working on us, making us into missionaries. And then thirdly, the perspective is that the church's goal is to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in this community. So we need to live in such a manner as to honor him. Now, whenever our perspective is changed, then our purpose changes. So whenever we see God and what he's up to in the world, we want to join him. So it's like God's in the process of drawing people and showing his love to humanity. I want to be a part of that. Jesus is in the process of making us into fishers of men. We want to submit to his leadership. We want to submit to what he's doing in our life so that we can be who God has saved us to be. And then we also want to make sure that we are living in such a manner, again, this is our purpose, living in such a manner in the community so as to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Reflect him in what we say and also reflect him in what we do. So now, when our perspective changes, our purpose changes, and then our plans begin to change. Now, if you've already been to your community group this morning, you've already begun to look into how your plans can change in the future so that you are living with a missionary mindset. And this morning, really, there's one major thing that I want you to take away, and it's very simple. You and I must have a hot heart for the reach. We've got to have a hot heart 
for the reach. Kind of explained that. That's why we got the fireballs. You know, we sat around as a staff, and I said, you know, I'm going to preach on having a hot heart for the reach. And I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, we should give everybody fireballs. I said, that's a great idea. So this is what happens whenever I put a fireball in my mouth. As soon as I put one in, I can suck on it for a little bit and be a man. Y'all with me? But it's amazing how quickly I become a little lady, all right? And I, I become, I don't mean that in a derogatory term for all you ladies, all right? Can we rewind time? Start over. But anyway, so a little child is what I meant to say. So I, I put this in my mouth, but as soon as I do, it begins to burn like crazy. And then I find myself always reaching out for some water. All right, so check it out. Fireball makes me reach out for water. When you are on fire for God and what he's doing in the world, you are always involved in reaching out. See, if I don't have a fireball, I'm not reaching out for the water so often. But if I do have the fireball, I'm reaching out, no doubt. And if I have a hot heart for the Lord, then I'm reaching out and inviting other people to be a part of what God's doing. But if I'm not really hot-hearted, then I'm not reaching. So you and I have to have this hot heart. We've got to pray that God would give us this hot heart for the reach. That's what Jesus had. Jesus described himself this way. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus is the head of the church, and if we're going to follow after Jesus, and Jesus came and gave us the example on how to live, and his whole ministry was seeking and saving those that were lost, then it makes grand sense that you and I will be following and emulating that, and that would be our heartbeat as well. Now, Andy Stanley uh, tells a story about a parable of the credit card. I want you to listen to this because it's just an awesome story, all right? He says, a man had six credit cards. Let me back out for just a moment. If you have six credit cards, we've got Financial Peace University set up for you on Sunday nights, all right? If you have six credit cards, you probably shouldn't have. Plastic surgery is where it's at. Y'all with me? Cut them cards up. So here we have the parable. I just didn't want you to walk away going, preacher said we could have six credit cards. I think that's a great idea. All right? Man had six credit cards. Y'all with me say yes? And uh, good deal. He had six credit cards. He lost one of them. He didn't spend his time admiring the five credit cards that he possessed, shuffling them around and rearranging the ones he had in his wallet. He did not disregard the lost card. Instead, he put all of his energy into finding the lost credit card. He told his wife about the card and asked her to search the house. He asked his friends to work to keep their eyes open for the credit card. Putting all of his energies into the search, he finally found the card. And whenever he did, he called his wife and they rejoiced on the phone. And whenever he found it, he told his co-workers that he had found it as well and they all were happy. Jesus said, if a man has 100 sheep, and he loses one. He leaves the 99 in the open pasture and goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. And whenever he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now I want you to think about this. The shepherd, when he loses one of his 100 sheep, he doesn't stay in the pasture and recount the 99. He sets the 99 aside, and he focuses on finding the one. When the man loses one of his credit cards, he doesn't look at the five that he does have and just admire them. He lays them aside, and he focuses on finding the one. If we're not careful as a church, we can come in here and just rearrange the people who are present and totally forget about the fact that there are people lost in our community who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called as a body to reach out to them. So we have got to be involved in the search. It is massive. 
just as Jesus says, I am here to seek and save that which is lost, we also need to be about seeking and saving through the gospel of those who are lost. Now, as I look at the New Testament and I'm challenged to make disciples, I begin to say, is there somebody out there that we can maybe emulate? Somebody that we can copy? And then I read this verse from Paul the Apostle written in the book of Corinthians. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Another version says it like this, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. So Paul, the apostle, becomes the one that we should look at just as we look at Jesus and say, okay, what are they doing and what should we be doing to copy exactly that? Paul had a hot heart for the reach. So this morning, I'm going to give you three steps that you can take in developing a hot heart to reach out to those who do not know Jesus Christ. So are y'all ready to say yes? Here goes the very first one. I've got to have a burden. I've got to have a burden. That's very simple, but I want you to listen to some of Paul the Apostle's statements and listen to the burden that he had. He writes in Romans 1, 14 through 16, he says, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. See here, when Paul speaks of being under obligation, he literally is speaking about the fact that he has this responsibility. He has this duty upon his life to go out and to share Jesus with those who are outside of the faith. Now, this is huge, right? Uh, last service, we had a soldier with us who was uh, visiting. And it's pretty neat. When you think of a soldier, the soldier has a duty to fight to keep us free. Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy and says, be just like a good soldier. Don't become so entangled in the world's affairs that you miss out on the mission of making disciples. So you and I... The moment we begin to follow Jesus Christ, we should have come under obligation. We now have a responsibility. We now have a duty to carry forth the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are far from God. But we also know Paul shedding some tears, or at least I can envision him shedding some tears as he writes this in Romans chapter 9. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. He says, I have a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren. Now look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. You know what Paul's saying here is pretty wild. He's saying, I could wish that I were going to hell so that others who are my brothers would be saved. That is a burden upon his unceasing sorrow, he says. Romans 10 and 1, he writes, Brother, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. So this is a description of Paul's burden for his own people, the Israelites. He prayed for them. He sought God on their behalf. He shed tears on behalf of those that he knew did not submit and know Jesus Christ personally. This is a burden. You and I must have a burden as well. And here's the deal. You and I will never have a burden for those who are outside the faith if we're not praying for them. We should be praying for God to put people in our life who don't know Christ. We should be praying for them by name. And as we pray for them, God burdens our hearts deeply for their salvation so that they would come to know Jesus Christ. I've heard it said before that we will not tell people about God if we are not telling God about people. 
That's a statement, right? We won't tell people about God if we aren't telling God about people. You know, we've got to have a hot heart. And in your community groups today, uh, Lord willing, you have the opportunity to begin to think through your circles in life. Those people that you are around who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And man, I pray that you had the opportunity to be able to jot them down. Or you're going to do that for your homework. But you're going to begin to write them down and begin to pray for them. Pray God will give you a burden. I've got to have a burden for those who are lost. You know, Bill Hybels wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. It's a book on how to share Jesus. Great book. And in the book, he makes the staggering observation that the longer a person is a Christian, the fewer people he or she knows and associates with who are not Christian. Did you hear that? The longer a person is a Christian, the fewer people they know and associate with who are unchurched. Listen, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to roll out. When you begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, your eyes should be open to the fact that there are many people who are outside the faith. And you should indeed befriend them so that you might share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. But we'll never do it if we're not burdened for them. So the first step is I've got to have a burden. Let me give you the second step. I've got to have a plan. And this is huge. You've got to have a plan. Some people really mystical in their uh, thought processes when it comes to making plans. They kind of step back and they say, well, we don't need to make plans, man. We just kind of let, see what the Lord does. And I kind of hear where you're coming from, but let me kind of give you my status here, all right? So I remember being in seminary class and we were talking in seminary about sharing the gospel and some guys were like, we don't make plans. <laughs> we just kind of wait and see what's going to happen. You never know. You know, we don't want to rush into anything. We don't want to share with anybody that's not ready. We want to make sure we kind of hang out. We don't make plans. And I'm sitting there going, these people crazy. Y'all all right? That's what I say in seminary, y'all with me. Why would you not make a plan? That is one guy, which I just about thought I was just going to send him on to see Jesus after he said it. Y'all with me? He basically said, I was not going to share the gospel with that guy because I knew I couldn't be with him the rest of his Christian life. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Share Jesus. The Holy Spirit will disciple him. It's like, that's ridiculous. Could y'all tell I got riled up on that? Forgive me. All right, but anyway, I just went back to that class, man. I can see him. I shadow box him every once in a while. Y'all listening to him? <laughs> y'all ain't right, man. Third service, I get tired, dude. I say crazy stuff. But anyway... It's pretty crazy here. You've got to have a plan. Paul the apostle, did he have a plan? There's no doubt. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe writes about Paul. He says, whenever Paul went into a new city, I love this. He says he found a synagogue and he preached the gospel. And if they rejected him there, he would go out and preach to the Gentiles, those who were not of Jewish descent. That was his plan. Plan A, go into the city, preach in the synagogue. Plan B, if he was rejected, preach to the Gentiles. In fact, Paul the Apostle notes in Ephesians 3 and 8, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. That's huge, right? That is what his call is. He's preaching some reject. He goes to the next group. You know, whenever I teach on sharing the gospel, and I really challenge people to do this, some folks come to me and they say, well, Levi, I've been sharing the gospel with so-and-so, and man, they just haven't responded. They keep rejecting the gospel. What should I do now? Pray for them and share with somebody else. Don't allow someone's rejection of the gospel to keep you from opening your mouth to other people. Paul went to the synagogue. When he was rejected, he went to somebody else. That was his plan. Make it your plan as well. And I love Paul, right? Paul, regardless of his circumstances, always saw God working in his midst to open up doors for the gospel. Right? Paul would write out his plan in pencil, but there were some times when God would come along and write on top of that with ink. 
For example, one time Paul the Apostle is preaching the gospel and the folks didn't enjoy what he was preaching. Y'all ever heard a bad sermon like that before? You better not say, yeah, I will treat you like that dude I was thinking about. Anyway, that's the deal. He comes in, no matter where he preaches, right? When you follow Paul, he always starts a riot or a revival. Those are the two R's that happen, right? So everybody gets in a riot or they have a revival. Well, on many occasions, there was a riot. He would come into town, specifically Rome, and he would preach, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And they said, no, 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 Caesar's Lord. Paul, you better stop saying that. Paul wouldn't stop saying. He began to speak. He began and continued to preach the gospel. And eventually, they would grab him and throw him into prison. Now, Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel. Look, he didn't plan to go to jail. He was thrown into jail. But the wild thing is that Paul writes in the book of Philippians, he says, my circumstances, talking about being in prison, my circumstances have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that people in the whole Praetorian Guard are coming to understand Jesus Christ. Do y'all hear this? This is huge. He did not allow his circumstances to cause him to close his mouth. Even when he was tossed into prison. You know, I don't often think about Paul being thrown into prison. I think to myself, man, if I got thrown into jail for preaching Jesus, I think I would have a bad attitude, right? I think I'd go in there and be like, God, I was doing what you told me to do. Why in the world have you got me cast into jail now? What's up, Lord? That's the opposite of Paul. Paul's like, here I am, I've got a prisoner chained to me for eight hours a day, and man, that's a captive audience, he's sharing the gospel. And then that person leaves, they chain another one, he's like, round two, are y'all listening? And he shares the gospel. And then these people go outside into the Praetorian Garden, they start going around saying, have you heard what Paul's talking about? And they say, no, we haven't heard, tell us. And they say, he's talking about how Jesus is Lord, and he came and died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he got up from the dead. He's sharing this with everybody. And Paul's like, here I am in jail, and you would think the gospel would stop. But I love what Paul writes. Paul says, you can imprison the man, but you can't imprison the gospel. It continues to go forth, continues to move. And listen, some of you in life may see your circumstances as hindering you from sharing Jesus. And you say, well, I've got this job, man. I'm telling you, there's just not an opportunity to share Christ. Or I'm living in this neighborhood and there's not an opportunity to share Christ. Or I'm involved in this and this circumstance and this circumstance. And you're outlining it. And some of you may even say, man, when I go to work, it's like going to jail. Well, listen, if God can use Paul in a real jail, God can use you in a fake one. God has strategically, are y'all listening to the preacher? He has strategically positioned you as a missionary to make disciples. Open our eyes to see what God's doing all around us. Gotta have a burden, gotta have a plan. Let me say to you, and this is uh, when it got real quiet in the other two services, all right? So let me kind of come out to you, a little pastoral tenderness here, y'all with me? Y'all feel it? But <laughs> I know you don't, but look, look, at, look at the preacher a second. I really do want to show some. I've been praying about that. But here, here it is, all right? All of us in the building should be able to answer two questions at any point in time in our walks with Christ. Now, I'm going to give you the questions. You didn't know the test was coming, so you're off the hook today, all right? But here's the two questions you should have an answer to at all times. Number one, who am I sharing the gospel with? You should have a name. Who am I sharing the gospel with? Second question you should be able to answer is, how am I trying to share the gospel with? All of us should be able to answer those two questions at any given moment in our walls. If we're seriously burdened and we seriously have a plan and we seriously believe people when they breathe their last breath will spend eternity in hell without Christ, then every single one of us are going to be motivated 
to say, who can I share with? And I will have a name and a person in mind, and I want to make sure that I'm seeking to get after them with the gospel. Third point, here it is, I've got to adapt the plan. So I've got to have a burden, got to have a plan, I've got to adapt the plan. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9.22, he says, I've become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. He says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker in it. Now this is huge, Paul is executing a plan. He is adapting his plan to reach a specific audience. It's pretty wild here, it doesn't mean that Paul is a chameleon who changes the message of Jesus to blend in with the culture of a people, nor does this mean that he compromises the message of Jesus to keep from hurting someone's feelings. But instead, Paul goes forth and he adapts the message. Here's the example. If Paul goes to talk with somebody who is of Jewish descent, he would take the Old Testament law and the prophets and show them how they pointed to the person of Jesus Christ. But if he went to share the gospel with a Gentile, he wouldn't start with the Old Testament prophets because those Gentiles didn't grow up with the Old Testament prophets. They didn't know them. So he would actually start with general revelation, creation that is. God shows that he exists through creation. His creation declares that there is a creator. And then he begins to go a step further, Paul does. And you can see this, by the way, outlined in Romans. But he opens up a person's conscience and he shows a Gentile who has never seen the law of God how they instinctively do the things of the law. Those who have never seen the Bible, no lying's wrong, no cheating's wrong, no murder's wrong, no adultery's wrong. They know all these things how they know it. God has written it upon their hearts. Their conscience bear witness to it. And so Paul would adapt his message, or adapt rather his method, so that the message could be clearly presented to the people he was speaking to. We do this too. Uh, I do this in my life whenever I'm talking to somebody who's grown up in church. And sometimes I ask them, hey man, do you feel like you die right now? You spend eternity in heaven? They're like, yeah think so tell me why well i mean i'm a pretty good guy you know i've been to church all my life and man i know a whole bunch of bible verses and man i've been baptized before i joined the church one time you know uh, my daddy was a deacon my granddaddy he he was like this uh, guy he would preach every once in a while he would volunteer and they'd let him preach in church man so i know that i'm a believer but what's wild is that that person who describes that to me never talks about turning from their sin and placing their faith in jesus you're not saved because you go to church or you know a bunch of Bible verses or you've been baptized. That's not how you get saved. So the Bible teaches that you're a sinner before Almighty God and that your works cannot wash away your sin. And if you hang on to your sin, you'll spend eternity in hell. But God graciously sent Jesus down a cross for you. He bore the penalty in his own body for your sin and my sin. Jesus died for you, was buried and resurrected. And now the gospel to you who are churchgoers is repent of your sin and trust Jesus. So that's how I talk to somebody who's been in church a lot. Now, if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't really have a church background, I may change a few things. I may not use the same lingo, right? Person who grew up in church, they may have heard the words like redemption, salvation, born again, propitiation. Y'all out there say yes? Maybe you hadn't heard all those words, but some of them. Y'all still with me? Some of y'all are like, propitiate. what did he say? Propitiate. Propitiate. I'll preach on that one day. But anyway, it's in 1 John. Pretty awesome. Uh, but whenever I'm sharing with somebody who doesn't have a church background, I'm not using all those words. Talking to them in a way that they can understand. Doing that now. I think I shared with you guys last uh, week about the fact that I was sharing the gospel with somebody, L. Ray. Did I tell y'all that last week? All right, so I'm not going to repeat myself, right? But here's the thing. I ate with him again this week. Y'all all right with that? Guess where we ate? You ain't never going to guess it. L. Ray. Two tacos, meat and cheese. 
So anyway, I'm hanging out with him again. Can I tell you what's awesome? So I'm seeking to share with him again the whole gospel, go through the whole thing. <laughs> here's, what, here's what he asked me, he, he, or really I kind of lead him to this uh, discussion, and he begins to ask, he's like, man, can we get together like every week and just maybe do like a Bible study? <laughs> I think, are you, are, you're an unchurched uh, guy who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, and you want to have a Bible study with the preacher? Yeah, I'll meet with you. Y'all all right with me on that? Then I begin to walk out of El Rey going, I got people who go to church who don't want to do Bible study. It's like, this makes no sense. <laughs> if I hit close to home, y'all be all right, yeah. See you tonight in Bible study. <laughs> but here's the deal, right? So I begin to share with him again, Philippians chapter 1. That's what we're going to start studying. He got a Bible. It's awesome, right? He's got a Bible now. He bought one this weekend. Text me to make sure uh, the translation was cool. So we kind of went from there. And then uh, not only this, um, I told him, I said, Philippians chapter 1 is all about participating in the gospel. And then I just leaned in and said, hey, man, but look, look, look at me. Now, I'll tell you all too, right? You can't participate in something that you don't have. I've shared the gospel with you. You've got to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. You've got to become a follower of Christ. And then you apply biblical principles. Y'all down? So now y'all just need to pray for me and El Ray. Because I really am. I mean, I'm trusting that God's going to redeem this guy and change his life. Um, I don't mean to tell stories here, but I, I'm going to give you one more. Can I give you one more? God bless you. I just need a Graffinino's permission. <laughs> we uh, Last service, baptized three people, right? Here's what's awesome, though. The three people that I baptized were a uh, whole family that I shared the gospel with at our Sunday at the park. I mean, we have Sunday at the park and all these people come to church and they're all out there and I just love walking around sharing the gospel. So I share the gospel with the whole family. They have visited our church a couple of times and now they're out there. So let me just, I just want to talk with you guys. So I went through the whole plan of salvation. Uh, you all are born sinners and out of, uh, you know, you're lying, thieving, murderous, adulterers at heart. You got to face God on judgment day. That's not good, right? Jesus came and died for you. He was buried and resurrected. You need to repent, turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus. Do you want to make that decision or have you made that decision? So I started with dad. I said, hey, have you given your heart to Jesus? He said, I sure have. I did it when I was younger. He said, I've kind of strayed, but I'm seeking to come back. So then I went to the wife. I said, have you given your heart to Christ? She said, no. Went to the daughter. Have you? No. Went to the next daughter. No. Can I tell you two weeks ago at a 930 service, maybe 11 o'clock, I don't remember, gave an invitation. Guess who comes forward? Those three who said no. It's like, what in the world? And what's wild is, and I told them this last service, they were sitting over here after being baptized, that I had been preaching every Sunday, and every Sunday that I saw them sitting out there, and they were kind of sitting out in this area, and I would begin preaching, but I would be praying that God would open their eyes that they might be saved. And you can imagine how fired up I was when they came forward. So I know they're coming forward for it. They're coming to get saved, giving their hearts to Jesus. Are y'all listening? Now, what's wild is that God will redeem people even outside this building. All we got to do is share. I can't tell you uh, how many opportunities I've had to share at restaurants, at coffee shops, when people write there on, on airplanes, on buses, and, and people would just right there, close their eyes, and pray to receive the Lord Jesus. That's where it's at. There's no greater joy than leading somebody to Christ. You're a follower of Jesus, right? Look, check this out. I'm glad I got caught by Jesus. Y'all all right with that? So I, I'm not like begrudgingly saying, I got to tell you people about Jesus. I got to tell you how to be saved. No, I got saved. I like so I don't mind telling people. Now, there's a time when uh, some of us just don't have a burden. Now, I've, I've experienced this when I just don't have a burden. Here's kind of how I explained it earlier. When I don't have a burden, it's because I've lost perspective. 
I took the glasses off, man. I no longer saw God explaining himself and his love to humanity. I, I took the glasses off and no longer uh, submitted to Christ trying to work in my life, making me a missionary. I took the glasses off and no longer saw myself as a representation of Jesus Christ in the community. I took the glasses off. When I take the glasses off, my heart isn't on fire for the Lord. But when I put the right perspective on, immediately my heart set on fire. And as soon as my heart is set on fire, I immediately want to start reaching out to other people. That's where it's at. Hey, look at the preacher. Is your heart on fire? Put that fireball in my mouth while I'll be reaching for some water. If God sets your heart on fire, you will be reaching for people. Follow me, Jesus says. I will make you fishers of men. Good stuff, isn't it? So let's go fishing. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for our time together this morning. And pray you would just move on our hearts even more.